America got here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and television show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus Iaco, and I have watched the final episode of Dexter Newborn. Hi, I'm producer Dave. Looking forward to hearing what Marcus has to say about the final episode of Dexter. Have you still not watched it? No. Have you, have you still not watched any episode of Dexter? Nope. That's it's atrocious, producer Dave. I mean, come on. I've been raving about this show for months and years, in fact. So how long have you known me? I talk about Dexter. Dexter's one of, Dexter is one of my um, if I'm outlining it, I would say Dexter is one of my top 10 shows. I'd probably put it maybe between uh, number five and number 10, around that mark, uh, but it's still one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It's a great show. If you've never heard about the, the TV show Dexter, it's based on a, a, a series of books called, uh, by, I believe it's Jeff Lindsay, is the name of the, the author, um, wrote the books called His Dark Passenger. I think that's the uh, the series of books. Well, His Dark Passenger is the first one, but it's a Dexter series. And it's basically following this detective. Well, he's a, no, he's not a detective. He's following Dexter Morgan. He's a blood spatter analyst uh, uh, in the Miami-Dade Police Department. Um, and he's also a serial killer. However, the twist is, he's a serial killer who hunts down and kills other serial killers. So he's a he's an anti-hero, if you will. That's from the original series. They were just series about two, what, maybe 10 years ago or so. No, it's actually even longer than that, actually. Um, it ran for, if I'm not mistaken, about eight seasons. Um, and then they took a five to six year hiatus, maybe even slightly longer. Um, but then the story jumps 10 years forward. And we now find uh, Dexter uh, Morgan going by a different name in, and this is a spoiler if you've never seen it, it's just for the new season. Obviously, Dexter New Blood, you know the season's out. So you know that it's He's there um, and he comes back to that character and we carry on with this character. We see what happens when he's relocated to a new town. Um, brilliant show, in my opinion, uh, from season one. I, 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 I said this and I'm going to repeat it. 
So if you're following and people can argue with me, we're going to have one of our guests. I'll ask the guest when he comes on uh, if he's watched it and what his thoughts are. But in my opinion, the De in terms of Dexter and um, uh, Dexter New Blood, I believe it goes like this. It goes, um, oh, season one is very good. Season two is excellent. Season three is good. Season four is superb. Superb is higher than excellent, in my opinion. So my scale is all over the place. Um, superb is like, you know, cream of the crop. You can bet you can't beat superb. So I'm putting season four as, as that. Excellent is under superb, then very good, then good, then average, then poor. So we go superb is season four. That is just basically, it does not, it, it, it hits its, its maximum peak on in season four. Um, season five is, in my opinion, very good. And then season six becomes good with a very terrific ending. And then season seven is uh, average with a very good ending. And then season eight, if I'm remembering the seasons, is just average. I mean, you watch it because you're, um, you're a completist like me. And then we come to Dexter New Blood, which I believe goes back to season one, very good type level. Um, so that, that's how I'm going to describe it. We're going to do maybe spoilers um, in a few, maybe in a, in a month or so. Let's give people time to watch Dexter New Blood, get into it, understand it, and then we can do a, a spoiler for the entire season, the entire show, if you will, when we talk about it. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And uh, this week's show, we've got two guests uh, on the show with us. We're, first, we'll jump into film and TV news, and we're going to talk about uh, Golden Globes in our film and TV news. Then we'll jump to uh, talk to our first guest, who's Tom Gaper, Tom Gapper, who is uh, the, one of the hosts of Capes, Cowls, and Masks podcasts. So we're going to be talking a whole bunch of comic book film-related movies. We'll talk to him about a contentious topic that I only jumped into last week and it triggered me. I'll be honest, it triggered me. And this is the conversation as to whether or not to recast uh, the character of T'Challa or Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll come to that. You hear what my opinion is. I'm going to hear what uh, producer Dave's opinion is. I'm going to hear what Tom uh, Tom's opinion is. And we're going to battle it out and see who's right. And then we'll see who's going to win. And then we're going to talk to friend of the show. She's practically part of the show. Jenna Suru, filmmaker, uh, film festival director. And she is the she directed the film uh, The Golden Age, Large Door. Uh, and she is the film festival director for the Paris International Film Festival, which is going to be having uh, another run this year. So she's going to come on the show and talk about that as well as some of her other projects. But before all of that stuff, let's jump into film and TV news. So, uh, this week, the Golden Globes happened, which is weird if any of you follow i mean if you listen to the show you probably follow a little bit about film and tv news and so on and so forth um and you probably heard what happened last year with regards to the golden globes producer dave just a quick just to throw to you really quickly 
Um, do you have? Do you know what the what the controversy was about the Golden Globes in 2021? Um, to be quite honest, I tried to put it out of my mind, but it was about the lack of diversity, if I remember correctly. That was one of the main issues uh, with Golden Globes. So, I mean, okay, so Golden Globes. Then I'll, I'll just as a quick summary. Um, so the the problem with uh, Golden Globes, if you will, uh, has basically been a there's been it's been a running joke uh, for for years, for years, right? With the Golden Globes. In fact, so it's so much so so much of a running joke that Ricky Gervais, who's been called to host the Golden Globes a number of years, has openly said in the actual Golden Globes while hosting it how um, skewed the the Golden Globes are. So the Golden Globes essentially is a group of what they call Hollywood Pre Hollywood Foreign Press Association. So basically a group of film critics, uh, press film critics come together and they do a similar thing to the Oscars and the BAFTAs and so on and so forth. They vote for what they feel is the best um, movie, TV show, et cetera, that have come out as well as actors and so on and so forth. However, over the years, it has been widely known that it is massively corrupt. And by corrupt, I mean the fact that you get a lot of uh, projects and people getting nominated and awarded for different prizes that don't deserve it. They, they, act, they blatantly do not deserve it. And the only reason why they've been nominated is because the members of the you know, judging panel of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association have literally been courted by the production companies of those TV shows and films, et cetera. So they you know, put them up in fancy hotels, they get them fancy swag bags, they get to meet and you know, uh, you know, meet in parties with different celebrities and so on and so forth. So that's basically what it is. You know, people vying for attention, uh, you know, that's what they do. So that, and that has been something that Ricky Gervais has said in the actual awards on numerous occasions. Um, so much so that one of the one of the um, funny gags that he ran with one year was how with all the great movies that were that came out that year, Johnny Depp's The Tourist was nominated as one of the best films of the year. And it's like it, it, if you're wondering what is The Tourist exactly, it is such a forgettable film that everyone was it it, it was so blatantly obvious that the uh, jury. Uh, of the um, you know the Golden Globes, they just wanted to meet Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie, and you know get because the movie was about you know thieves in Europe and whatnot. So they obviously got the opportunity to go to five star hotels in Venice and Italy and so on and so forth. So you know it's corrupt. Anyway, all of that stuff was fine. It was out in the open. People didn't really care about it. But it all came to a head in 2021 when a number of things happened. One thing in particular, two things in particular that happened that caused that problem was um, the nomination of the Netflix TV show, Emily in Paris, uh, played by, you know, uh, the main character, Emily, played by Lily Collins. Um, when that TV show came out, it was very critically panned. It was, it was not just critically, audience, it was, it was it, there was just a widespread, not hatred, but like vitriol spat at this particular TV show because it was criticized from everything from the acting to the dialogue to the characterization to the fact that you had very xenophobic xenophobic themes in the show and so on. Um, if you want to go and find out more about how bad the show is, go on YouTube and 
uh, watched this video uh, from a YouTuber called Friendly Space Ninja. Uh, and he does it, I think that was one of his first videos and it blew up. It, 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 it was watched by so, so many people, more people watched that video than people watched the trailer for Emily in Paris. Um, but that also got that into the social conscious, you know, conscious cycle, right? So everyone is thinking about how, um, about Emily in Paris being a terrible TV show. And then what happens? It gets a few nominations from the Golden Globes in 2021. Now, everyone's thinking, what? Everyone's thinking, what the hell? Anyway, not only that. So not only did that get nominated, but um, it may destroy you. Michaela Cole's blisteringly amazing TV show got no nominations whatsoever. So that then got loads of people investigating more about the Hollywood Press Association, Hollywood Foreign Press Association, and they discovered that there was so much, uh, there was so, so much lacking in terms of diversity, not just for uh, you know ethnicities, minor, you know ethnic minorities, but also women as well. So it was just a lot of very old white men that were in this in this group of panelists, and that was basically where the backlash occurred. And NBC said that they're not going to be airing Golden Globes in 2022 until it gets fixed. Anyway, long story short, fast forward to now. And the Golden Globes not airing anywhere. They didn't decide to air it. What they did was they just basically had the awards in secret. And here are the winners from this year's Golden Globe Awards. Uh, first of all, in uh, Best Motion Picture Drama, they nominated the films Belfast, Coda, Dune, King Richard, and it's The Power of the Dog, which is a Benedict Cumberbatch Netflix movie that won it. Uh, and in best motion picture, musical or comedy, ones that were nominated, Cerno, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, Tick, Tick, Boom. The winner was West Side Story, West Side Story which is a Steven Spielberg a remake of the film. Um, I'm just going to talk about some of the you know, highlights as opposed to the, um, you know, as everything. Uh, best actress in the motion, motion picture, Nicole Kidman won it for Being the Ricardos, which you can see on um, Amazon Prime. Uh, people that lost out, Olivia Coleman, Jessica Chastain, Lady Gaga for House of Gucci, Kirsten Stewart for uh, uh, Spencer. Best Actor in Motion Picture. Uh, people like Mahershala Ali was nominated for Swan Song. Javier Bardem was nominated for Being the Ricardos. Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog. And Denzel Washington for The Tragedy of Macbeth, um, Coen Brothers movie. Will Smith won it for King Richard, which is the um, not biopic, but it, yeah, it's a biopic about um, Venus and Serena Williams' dad pushing them to get into tennis. Um, yeah, so and then a whole number of other uh, nominations have popped up. Going through the list, you can you can see uh, who's you know it's they're pushing more towards the better type films, so they're trying to add a little bit more diversity in their. Uh, that's what they've said anyway in one of their press releases. They're trying to make, be a little bit more diverse. Uh, with their selection. They've added more uh, in terms of nominations, et cetera, but we'll wait to see next year. I mean, we didn't get to watch the actual events, so we don't really know much about what they did. And um, who knows, if NBC decide not to pick up Golden Globe for 2023, maybe we may never hear the Golden Globes anymore, which is, um, you know, hey, c'est la vie, right? Uh, anyway, sorry about my rants just about Golden Globes. Just wanted to fill you in on what was happening with that. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And a little change in programming. Uh, we were expected to have a conversation with Tom Gappa 
from capes, cows, and masts. But unfortunately, due to some scheduling conflicts, we were not able to have that. We'll probably have that same that session with him um, another time, and we'll have. I I'll, I'll keep that argument that I want to have that debate that I want to have about the recasting of T'Challa in the MCU for when he shows up. Either he or possibly, and this is already a debate that's going on between myself and a friend of the show, a friend of mine, uh, Michael Omaria, uh, about whether T'Challa should be recast. Either way, we'll push that for another time. Instead, what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into an interview that I was lucky to have with Kim Tatum for her film, The Finellis. listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm joined uh, by an actress who's going to be telling us about her new film. Please tell us your name and the film that you're here to promote. Okay, my name is uh, Kim Tatum, but um, some people call me Ms. Kimberly. That's M-Z-Z Kimberly. And I'm here to promote a comedy um, that's streaming on Google TV, Amazon Prime, and Apple TV, and it's called The Finelli, the movie. Excellent. Kim, thank you very much for joining us. Um, this was uh, th this meeting was uh, being arranged across um, Christmas, and uh, we only really finalized it a couple of days ago, and, uh, and we, we, I feel very lucky to have you come on board to tell us about the project that you're working on. Um, my producer, producer Dave, wanted to be in on this call, but he had some other things that he needed to do. So he's going to be kicking himself that he's missing this. Uh, but oh, let's start off. First of all, um, tell us about the film, The Finellis. Okay, basically, um, The Finellis is a comedy. It's about a gentleman who, um, it's, it's, a, it's a real life story, actually. It's about a gentleman who got involved, involved with Scientology. And um, he was blacklisted for, I think, about seven or seven years. And um, they took away his family. They couldn't audition. He just lost a lot of work. So basically, he created a story um, for, uh, for film about his life. But instead of, like, dealing with the Scientology in the finales, he actually goes to prison. And then he comes out of prison to restart his life. Now, he is a performer, he's a singer, he's in prison with his, uh, his best friend and manager, and comes out, and he basically, it's about him getting back into um, normal society, really, and he comes across me, because he's having a hard time finding another job. Now, I run a drag bar, and um, I offer him a, a position, but he has to do drag for the first time. Now, <laughs> he doesn't actually, he actually, I actually don't, I actually don't end up hiring him, but we actually become friends. I have a, uh, a husband in the, in the, um, in the series and um, his name is Jorge. And my husband is actually friends <laughs> with his father. Um, so, um, now I also want to, uh, also want to uh, mention for your listeners as well, um, that, um, this is not just any type of story. I, I am a transgender woman. So, um, basically it's, um, it highlights the transgender community in a very positive light. 
It's not about, you know, my character's not about, you know, the prostitute or the, the cokehead or, or whatever. It's putting the trans, uh, trans community in a positive light. I'm a businesswoman. I own my own bar, theater space. Um, I, I'm, I'm married um, to an older gentleman. Um, I didn't marry some, you know, hunk, really gorgeous looking guy. I, I married for love. I live this life that, yes, it's it's it the, the, it involves the the evening, but I'm not like this, um, you know, woman of the night. I uh, engage with my husband's friends from the army. Uh, my husband, I want to say, is a lot older as well. So <laughs> that's basically my storyline. And, and that's and that's I was going to come to that. Um, in, I, I will come to that in just a second. So um, I will come uh, to those particular questions. I just want to kind of go back to the finales just for a second because. The film is coming out, but if I if I understand, this was actually based on a sitcom or a, a series. It actually had a, a series. Yeah, it was basically um, we we shot a pilot in 2019, and it was basically a sitcom, and we ended up making it into a movie for now. And if the movie does really well, then we'll go back and film it as a, a proper sitcom. Ah, that makes that makes perfect sense. So you yeah. actually it's your yeah. whole movie and then a series route. So you flesh yeah. out all the characters. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. Um, the the writer from the research I did. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Mark? Is it Jan? I Mark? knew you were gonna ask me that. <laughs> I, want, I want to say Mark Janicello, but I didn't know if it was or Janicello. Jenna Sello. There we go. Wow. You got it right. If you listen to my show, I butcher everyone's last names. <laughs> I wanted but to you, ask you first. got that right. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, producer, producer Dave, when he listens to this, will just fall off his seat and be like, wow, really? He got that right. <laughs> So, So uh, Mark Janicello is one who, who wrote and is playing the main character, uh, Tony. Yeah, he's, he's playing the main character. And he's also a big executive producer. Excellent. And then you're going to be working on this uh, together as a, you know, at first, as you said, sort of a film that would then take off as a series uh, later on to expand more on the characters. What sort of influences yeah. did you um, pull upon for the creation of this show? Well, my character uh, is based on a real life person. Uh, her name escapes me. Mark uh, was working on the show. And she was the first transgender woman that he ever met. So he, in the, in the series, um, when I meet him, he's very uncomfortable. But because they end up having a conversation, he realizes that my character, Eva, is basically just another human being. You know, um, it, you know I, I do a lot of panels and... Um, interviews like this and I always say you know with uh, race relations or just people from different classes you know I honestly always say that you know we as a society if we just took a little time to get to know people outside of our class outside of our race whatever you know this world would be a, a much better place and that is the message that we um, we send to our audiences because we come from totally different worlds He's this um, heterosexual man living this, you know, you know, mundane life. Out of, you know, I, I shouldn't say mundane, but just getting out of prison. Um, you know, never had contact with anyone from the LGBT community, and never even thought about it. And then he's just forced, you know, to 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 come together. 
and he he fought against it, but then realized that actually she's a nice person, and actually we have similar experiences in life, and and they come together and they actually become friends. Because like I said, he my husband um, and his father are friends from the army, and um, I in the in the series I actually spend time <laughs> with my husband and his um his friend from the army and his wife and grandmother. You know, so many times when you had transgender characters on screen, um, the one I can really think of is Silence of the Lamb, you know, um, the, the trans community were always depicted as, you know, deviants, you know, they're prostitutes or they're, they're murderers, a part of society that you, 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 you don't want to engage with. So it's really good now that the doors are open, um, People are getting to know that the trans community, trans community are not just prostitutes and murderers. You know, they're doctors, lawyers, and actresses and models, and you know, they're bus drivers. So it's 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 a it's a really good opportunity for an audience who may not have experience with um, the LGBT community to see a trans woman depicted in such a positive manner. And, that, and that's kind of one of the questions that is leading into. And, I, and now that you've brought it, you've opened that door. So, I keep answering your questions before you ask me. Sorry. <laughs> you, exactly. You say it's sort of. Uh, it, it was a. Uh, it, it was. I have my, my. I try to structure questions in my head as best as I can. Um, but most of the time, it's I shoot from the hip anyway. But I. I will now <laughs> to answer to ask that question just before we do this little bit. Uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm speaking with uh, with Kim Tatum, who's here talking about the Finelli's movie that is going to be coming out on streaming platforms pretty soon. And uh, the, the Kim, the topic you were just mentioning a few minutes ago or a few seconds ago was about transgender representation in film and television. Mm -hmm. Now, for me personally, one of my first real uh, and, 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 I, and I, I do agree with you in, in a lot of media when it's when it's a transgender character, it's often depicted in a negative uh, light. So you mentioned yes. there is it is you know questioning um, mental stability or it's a it's a criminal aspect or some something along those lines yes. with a transgender. One of the first characters that I encountered um, that wasn't in that sort of perspective was Laverne Cox's um, Sophia yes. on Orange Is New Black. Um, so, and as you've already sort of mentioned that, um, what, in your opinion, from your perspective, is the point where you found that turning point where media has started to show a little bit more, um, you know, transgender characters in more of a positive light or even just a neutral light? Or do you feel that that is still not the case, that it is still just uh, the, you know, it's the sort of those are the exceptions to the rule, like Laverne Cox's character mm -hmm. is an exception to the rule. At what point do you feel we are in this uh, in, in today, if you will? Oh, that's a lot of questions. Well, <laughs> first of all, you know, I have to give a huge um, thank you to Martin Luther King because, um, you know, he um, fought for civil rights. And, you know, civil rights just wasn't for the black community. It was for everyone. Uh, all marginalized communities. And as we uh, evolve in life, and, you know, because of the internet, and because of uh, the, the trans community have been fighting for, you know, our, our rights, um, 
you know, things are starting to open up. There's still a long way to go. There's still, uh, unfortunately, we, we do have people such as J.K. Rowling, who is, um, you know, uttering all this false propaganda about the trans community. Uh, we, we, we still have people, you know, who, um, you know, the Black community went through it, the Jewish community went through it, the Muslim community community went through it, the gay community went through it. Now it's like the trans community. It's our time to to uh, to evolve, um, and but also be discriminated against in, in, in certain aspects. It's, we still have a long way to go, but every community has had to fight for their civil rights, every community. Um, things are much any better. You mentioned Laverne Cox. You know, she. Uh, I love her. I I actually know her. Um, you know, she. Um, you know, she's done remarkable well. I'm so proud of her, and I'm so proud of how articulate she is, and how she can, you know, go on these talk shows and speak about things. I mean, you know, that, that I've never even heard of. So, she is such an important um, figurehead for the trans community. Because when she speaks, she not only speaks from the heart, but she's speaking for our community, but everyone else can relate to that who have gone through oppression from being uh, from a marginalized community. So we still have we still have a, a long way to go, but we are getting there. Um, you know, I am I'm, I'm, I'm doing lots of theater. I'm doing some television. Um, I am going up for parts where I play cis women or I play trans women. So it's starting to really happen. You know, I when I first came to the UK, I, I did my first play. Um, it was a, a, a Genet play called The Maid. And um, I'll never forget, I did that play and I didn't do a play for like 10 years after that. And then it was five years. And now I am just like, I never stop. I'm actually working on Two, three, actually no, three uh, productions at the moment, and that is a lot. I never ever thought that I would get to the. Well, actually, I'm not going to say I didn't think I was going to get here. I knew I was going to get here one day. I just didn't know how I was going to get here, but I never thought I would be working on three <laughs> productions all at once. I mean, I'm happy with like two or three a year, but two, two or three all at one time is a bit crazy. But I'm. I'm loving it. I feel very blessed. I, I, there's a lot of me um, that still has to grow, but that's because, um, you know, like I said, you know, I get to play uh, the maids and 10 years later, you know, I do another one. So I haven't had time to really um, to, to progress, but now I will have time because I am working so uh, constantly and, it, and it's great feeling. Um, still have a long way to go, but people now are starting to open their eyes and just realize that people are people. And, and if you don't agree with it, you know, it's just, you know, we must respect each other. And the people who try to fight against it and stop us from doing this and stop us from doing that, it's just the same thing what other black, you know, the black community went through in the sixties, you know, you couldn't use this water fountain. This I'm talking about America. You know, you, 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 we, we're not going to hire you because because you're black. I remember being in school once and uh, I went to a school that was predominantly white. And because I'm light complexion, you know, a lot of white people thought they could um, 
you know, talk about black people in front of me like I, I wasn't black. And I remember this one uh, girl said, oh, or a guy actually said, oh, his, his family ran some kind of business and, and some black guy came in there with a CV and they just threw the CV in the trash. <laughs> You're coming from a perspective of being black and transgender, thus encountering prejudice on two different fronts. Um, yeah, definitely. And just as yeah. you pointed out, you say you still have some room to grow and to learn more. And I guess yeah. as as human beings, that's all we we can do, right? We yes, yes. Existing in and learning. And I embrace and that as well. I embrace. Um, learning. I, I, you know, I want to learn as much as I can, and I never want to stop learning. But to go back, you know, to, um, you know, looking at um, the trans, um, the trans, whatever, uh, from a black and trans uh, perspective, um, you know, I think if I, if I was white, uh, I would still be in that uh, same, same frame of mind. I, I just happen to be black. I know this doesn't go down with some people, but I do think what the trans community has gone through, like I said, you know, um, you know, all these other marginalized communities have had to fight, you know, to get there. So basically that's what the trans community is doing. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm speaking with Kim Tatum, an actress who is uh, here to promote uh, the uh, Finelli's which is a TV show where it's a, you're doing a movie uh, which will kick off the series uh, for this show, uh, which is fantastic. You've been giving me a lot of information that is like, I wish I had far more time. I want to try and get you into the studio with us so we can have longer uh, conversations about a lot of uh, that you've hit upon. Because, and again, it's the reason why producer Dave, I can feel the sense of producer Dave on my shoulder just saying, wrap it up because we don't have that much time. You need <laughs> I have more questions that I would like to ask. Um, and I would want to get you back on the show. We'll do a longer segment with yourself, talk about a, a lot of um, the topics that you want to explore. And I have, again, the questions that I, I want to ask. You touched upon J.K. Rowling. I would have wanted to talk about that. I would have wanted to Chappelle and bring that topic into conversation. Oh, yeah. I know we don't have enough time to do that. So what I'll do is I'll- oh, maybe, that's a good, I, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, so I'll wrap up with these two questions. First of all, you mentioned that you're working on a number of projects. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about those projects and if there's any way that uh, our audience members can come and see you or follow you on- Yes, of course. Yeah, um, I'm working, um, uh, I, I'm doing three nights with uh, two other trans actresses called Felix and Ebony Rose Dark. Um, on, uh, from March 31st to April 2nd at the Barbican. It's uh, called Transpose. It's the first time the Barbican has um, actually done a trans-led show. Um, I'm actually flying off to Vienna next week. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm working on a beautiful show called Hidden, and it's about a trans woman who uh, is married to a cis woman and has kids and it talks about it starts off basically she's in the hospital before she goes into surgery for her transition and it just basically um explores her life and the things she's had to to, to cope with you know mentally and and uh physically you know it's it's it's, it's basically uh um really uh a piece 
for the trans community to feel proud of to come in and watch with pride, but it's also it's educational for people who who are, who are not so um, uh, educated when it comes to the trans experience. But it's a fun show and it's it's a musical. So <laughs> it's a musical and it's beautiful songs. That's fantastic. I'm going to get all of the links yeah. uh, from your management uh, just to be able to get yeah. out there. We'll put that with the podcast when it goes out and we'll tweet out as well so that people can go and check out your shows. And uh, uh, you mentioned that uh, the finale is going to be streaming on, you mentioned Google TV. What other platforms? Yes, Google TV, Apple, and Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm sure there's another one. It's It's just so much information these days. You know what? I didn't even know there was an Apple TV. Is that really, is that, is that because I'm old? Apple TV has been out for a couple, a good couple of years now, and they've actually been coming out with some very good TV shows. Um, I'm one. Wow. I, my favorite on Apple TV is uh, Ted Lasso. So it is a fantastic show um, on Apple TV. You should definitely check it out when you get the chance. Um, do you know when Finelli's will be available on those streaming sites? On the 18th. The 18th. All, worldwide, everywhere, all over the world. Fantastic. From the 18th of January, you can catch the Finellis on all of those streaming platforms that have been mentioned. Kim, thank you very much for taking time to speak with us. And like I said, I will definitely keep in contact and see if we can get you back on the show for longer. And then that way I can ask a whole bunch of questions because you've opened. <laughs> you, it's, it, I, I, I was told specifically I had strict questions I had to stick with and I was going to. But at, like, like a defense attorney, you opened up that door. And so I had to ask the questions. So the next time we get you on, I'm going to be asking tons of questions. Oh, God. <laughs> Maybe I should bring someone with me. <laughs> yes. So, yes. So you'll, you'll bring your attorney next to you. And every time I ask a question, yeah. pop in. Yes. So uh, Ms. Kim is not going to be answering that question. Um, move on, please. And we'll keep doing that. Kim, thank you very much for joining us. Okay, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good day. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And it always cheers me up every time we have uh, this <laughs> friend of the show, this guest on the show, uh, whenever she comes in. Uh, she's currently in sunny LA, uh, getting ready with all the numerous projects that she's working on, which she's going to be telling us about. So please tell us your name and what the heck are you doing in LA? Hello, Marcus. Hello, producer Dave. I am Jenna, the executive director of the Paris International Film Festival. Thank you so much for having us back on the show. We are so excited to have you again as a press partner for the upcoming edition of the Paris International Film Festival coming up in February. Absolutely, February 10th, I believe it's 10th to the 20th of February, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I may have pushed it a little bit too far. One second, I'll check the calendar. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 10th to the 20th, right? You've got all the way exactly. to the 20th as a Sunday. Um, so you're going to be getting, last year when we uh, had the opportunity to to uh, get some of the filmmakers from uh, your inaugural event, 
Uh, we got to watch tons of great, great films. Uh, one that really stuck with me that I'm still, I still, I, I want to get them back on the show uh, was uh, High Score. High Score was basically yes. the one that stuck with me throughout. And um, we've, we're getting them back. Uh, there oh, were a whole awesome. bunch of others as well. There was um, Tyrants, uh, Tyrants of Tomorrow, and the telephone, the, the telephone uh, one, the Tyrants of Tomorrow. That was great. Um, it, a whole bunch of great filmmakers in the inaugural uh, Paris International Film Festival. Before we go on and start talking about some of the new filmmakers that you have in this <laughs> year's festival, uh, let people who don't know about the festival tell us about it. What is the Paris International Film Festival? The Paris International Film Festival is um, a festival set in Paris, which really highlights not only on international films and French films, but in particular on films which bring change, be it in front of or behind the camera. So that could be positive messages from change, for instance, for the upcoming edition of the festival, uh, from refugees to the environment, um, to the LGBTQIA plus community and all kinds of really important topics, obviously mental health and also a few surprises. Um, and we really also highlighted on change behind the camera. So for the upcoming edition of the festival, though we only select with our programmers the selection based on quality, no positive discrimination. We are very proud that half of our filmmakers are female identifying, they're females, and 40% this year of our films are our debut films, which is really exciting. Uh, and that's that's another th one of the things from last year that you're carrying forward this year, which is great, that you're trying to promote diversity, you're trying to encourage uh, a, a lot of filmmakers who may not necessarily get the opportunity to um, be able to promote their films, get their films seen, and, and that is reflected in the diverse categories that you've got. And as I mentioned, from last year, uh, that was, you know, we had some new filmmakers that were coming up. This year, you've stepped your game up immensely. There are some, some terrific projects, projects that are already making waves in bigger, in, in you know, out there in other film festivals. Uh, there's a, there's a Biffle um, nominated film already in, the way, in, in uh, this year's, contention. Um, can you give us a, uh, some ideas of some of the films that we can expect in the festival for this year? How exciting. Thanks so much for this great introduction. We absolutely love all the films of the selection. For the upcoming edition, there will be 22 feature films, both narrative and documentary, 30 short films, and a music video. So the films are, break, are broken into categories, for the features, we have films which are in the category Ring Change, which really focus on different messages from change, uh, with again a few surprises. Um, we are very proud we are presenting the Parisian premiere of Pierre et Jean, which is the first, uh, the directorial debut of Clémentine Célarier, who is a very famous French actress, and we are very honored to present her debut feature film as a director. Um, also a second category, which is Documentaries for Change, a little similar for documentaries. As part of the selection this year, we have the European premiere of Anchor Point, which is a fantastic uh, female gaze documentary about female firefighters in Utah. Also as another example, this explanation, which is um, a documentary which really breaks all the boundaries talking about sex, especially in America from an Asian American gaze. 
Um, then two of our categories, we also have one category we're very excited about, especially if you're also into genre movies or horror movies, which is the no return ticket. So as part of this, we have one of the two feature films we, we selected from Goldfinch, which is called Fiver of Flies. Um, also in the last category for the feature films, we also have a category we're really excited about, world-changing experiences. In this category, um, there are six films, including the world premiere of Much Ado by the Shakespeare sisters, who I know are also friends of the show, so I'm saying my warmest bonjour to the sisters. And in the short films, we have some Oscar contenders, short films, which is extremely exciting. They're broken into several categories. Uh, again, the brain change category, mental health category, the take care section. Also a section for genre and suspense and comedy. So really exciting. Again, if you're into comedy or want to see um, a, few, um, a few genre movies, we're quite excited because there is a short film, which is um, a Western, from an African-American female guest point of view. So we're really excited about that. And again, we also have a category we are very, um, very proud of at the Paris International Film Festival, which is the Breaking the Rules category. This category is meant for features and short films, which were filmed in unusual formats because of the pandemic or for other reasons, just to lead the story. So, and also we have a script competition with a few scriptwriters who will be pitching their projects. So we're really excited about these films and we highly applaud all the filmmakers on their great films for change. And as, as uh, I, if, I don't, uh, if I don't blow my own horn, obviously producer Dave is not going to do it for me. As a, <laughs> as, as a, as a winner of, the, uh, the, of one of your uh, prizes, one of you know, your best script, um, screenplay prize uh, last year. I have to admit, it was it was an amazing honor for me to receive when I, uh, I submitted my script, uh, and uh, and I, I I don't stop saying that over and over again. I'm really delighted to to get that announcement that I won that, and I appreciate that. And I I recommend everybody who hasn't already done that go and pitch in, get your screenplays in there to get it seen. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we're speaking with the, the ever so lovely Jenna Suru, executive director of the Paris International Film Festival, just gone through some of the great films that are gonna be showing this year in the festival uh, from the 10th of February to the 20th of February. Now, one uh, other thing that really caught my attention with the festival was your uh, the way the festival is actually showing its films. So because it started last year, 2020, when it went well, on, sorry, 2021, you know, when the pandemic had hit, it was at the point where festivals such as Cannes Film Festival and Sundance just didn't really know what to do with themselves. Uh, the Paris International Film Festival stepped out with a, with a new method of actually being able to broadcast films, which is online. Are you using the same method as you did last year? And if so, tell us what that is and how people can use that opportunity to be able to watch the films. Absolutely. So in these transitional times, and because this will be our fifth edition of the Paris International Film Festival, like last year, our goal is to make sure that our upcoming edition is safe, but also really replicates and is as close possible to a physical edition. 
So that has a lot to do with interactivity. So we really learned a lot of lessons from the previous edition, which was really acclaimed. And we really thank also for the massive engagement of our press partners like you and our filmmakers for really engaging with their audiences. We had some um, table, re uh, table reads of the scripts. And for the films, we also had some Q&As, but Q&As with like an interviewer, but also some roundtable Q&As where the audience who watched the film uh, can ask the director or the cast and crew questions, or uh, they can uh, meet them and then discover their films. So we, we realized that this was actually a massive success. Also, thanks to the incredible engagement of our partner, Filmocracy. So we were lucky because when the pandemic hit, um, we had a little less than a year to get prepared. So we really learned lessons from all the festival who had to pivot really, really quickly from about April 2020 to the end of the year. And something um, we've loved at festival, some we didn't love so much about their pivoting. And we really learned lessons from that. And the best solution we found really was filmocracy. So we really work as a team. And what's really impressive with what filmocracy is doing is first we are all into inclusivity and um, integ integrity, which we highly appreciate for our festival, but also the way you can navigate the festival online really looks um, real. So you have virtual Notre Dame Cathedral, virtual Montmartre, virtual cafe. So sure it's all online, but to be frank, it really feels real. And what's really exciting is that we really try to push the barrier of what is possible, more press, uh, press can now watch pretty much all the films, which of course, for understandable reasons, they cannot do at a live in-person festival because it's impossible to see all the screenings at the same time. Um, and also we try to cover all time zones because our filmmakers are from five continents. So for now, I am in LA and our team is in Paris and Hong Kong. Last year, I was in Paris the whole time and our team was in LA and Hong Kong. So we really try because also our filmmakers, you know, we have film from China, Russia, as well as obviously uh, Americas and, and Europe and even Africa. So we really try to push the barriers also to make sure everyone is inclusive. One of the great perks of virtual, we're extremely excited about, apart from the fact, of course, that is very safe, is that it really enables accessibility and anyone is very welcome to join the festival, even if you live on an island, if you are into childcare, if you don't have the money to travel, because that happens, um, we will love to have you with us and we will do anything for you to feel comfortable and meet the filmmakers. And that was through Filmocracy, which is F-I-L-M-O-C-R-A-C-Y, uh, filmocracy.com. I really enjoyed using it last year when we, with the other festival because as soon as it's that virtual landscape that you go in and it's sort of like you're walking through the croisette, if you will, for, from Cannes, where you have cafes here, you have a bar there, you have the auditorium there and so on, where you could meet different people in different places and have, have round tables where you can sit down and have conversations, just like a virtual chat room, and you can meet with different people. I am really looking forward to it uh, this year, February 10th to the 20th, uh, where we can go in, pick different type of movies, watch it. We're just going to be binging a lot of those films that are there uh, because uh, seeing the contenders, um, an amazing catalog of films that you've got there. And I can't wait to, to jump in. So if people want to get tickets to be able to, uh, to attend the film festival, what do they need to do? How can they reach out to you to get tickets or to learn more about 
Paris International Film Festival. So all the program and the press release from our press coordinator at Film and TV Now is available on our website, parisintelfest.com. You can also reach out to us via social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Paris Intel Fest. And please bear in mind that for sure you can book an all access pass, but also if you run a media um, or if you work for media, you can also apply for a press accreditation. And something really exciting about the festival is that the pass actually gives you access to all the films. So if you have a one day pass, you'll have access to all the films for one day. And the all access pass, you have access to all the films and also events for the whole festival time, which is about 11 days. So really excited and we make it simple for you to join. So we just, we just can't wait to see you there and enjoy the magic of cinema. Keep forgetting to unmute myself. Uh, we're gonna take uh, all of those links and we're gonna put them on all our social uh, um, links as well. And we'll post them out as much as we can uh, between now and the 10th of February, just to try and get as many people going in and watching and supporting the Paris International Film Festival. Uh, Jenna, thank you very much for coming on board with us and, and sharing some of the, from what, what are you working, with the exception of the, the, um, the film festival, what else are you working on? Can you give us any news on <laughs> any of your projects that you're, that you're working on? Because you often work on thousands of things at the same time. Is there anything else that you can talk to us about? Yes, um, I cannot say too much for now, but I'm actually now working on two upcoming projects. One is film related and the second one is TV related. So we are actively working on this right now. This will be uh, more projects that I'm directing and writing. So I'm massively honored to work on this project. I'll definitely be back on the show if you allow me to be back another time <laughs> to discuss all of this because they... <laughs> no, you've reached you've reached you've reached your limit. So that's uh, that's that's it. That's, it's, we can't we can't keep having you on. We have to we have to open up space for more filmmakers to come in and talk about. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kidding. Anytime you want, you can come back on the show. Like I said, if you want to come and replace me, would be happy oh, to to have a conversation with you rather than have to keep signing me to to wind up on on what I'm. I'm saying so, uh, but no, absolutely. Whenever you want to come in and talk about any of your projects, feel free to come back on, um, and we'll be we'll be talking to you as well throughout the rest of the, you know, the month. Uh, we're going to be uh, interviewing a lot of the filmmakers who are going to be having their films at the Paris International Film Festival. So for the next few episodes, we'll just be a bumper crop of filmmakers talking about their films, and obviously, I'm going to be asking you during the event as well. Uh, you know, when we get you back on, which is your favorite film? Obviously, I'm going to try and tease that out of you. And I know you're going to be professional and say, and say you can't say which one is your favorite, but I'm going to try and get that out of you as soon as we can. It's hard to pick. It's, it's yeah. honestly very hard to pick. The films are all incredible, and they also really cover a variety of messages. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, it's so exciting just to be actually championing filmmakers, which really broke all barriers, no matter the circumstances with this pandemic, to actually tell a positive message. So it's also it's also why we do it, you know. We we love championing these films with you and, and our press partners and and everyone who's with us on this journey. Uh, yeah, and I, I re, you mentioned one of the categories, which was outstanding technique. They you you, they, you know people breaking the barriers, uh, doing a different style rather than just the conventional. So I I, I like that category. Uh, Producer Dave, did you have a question you wanted to jump in with? No, I think you've covered oh, it all. Now you and Jenna, you, you and Jenna managed to tease everything that needed to be teased out. So yeah, it's, it's like we've done this That's before. <laughs> right. So 
Not only would I like to thank uh, Jenna Sura, I'd like to thank everybody else for listening to us at Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. Uh, without you listening, I wouldn't get the opportunity to come in and keep rambling about all the stuff that I like to talk about. I want to thank all of you for, for doing that. I want to thank uh, producer Dave for listening to me. He's the one that's trapped in the booth listening to me and having to edit every time I, have, I, I ramble. Um, also, <laughs> want to thank um, Resonance FM. Again, I always say I thank them for not listening to the show because if they listened to the show, they would have cancelled us a long time ago. Um, so keep <laughs> on not listening and keep on giving us the opportunity to to air this. Uh, Jenna Suru, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. And uh, what I say to everybody else, thank you all very much for listening. Producer Dave, your usual sign off. Oh, my apologies. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was lost in the, I, I was thinking about the Matrix, something about the Matrix. <laughs> I was lost. You would think we'd never done this. I was, I was lost in the Matrix. <laughs> Oh, were you lost in the matrix? You, would you like me to give you that cue again? Yes, please. So go like go Take two. You know what? You know what? I, I, I'll, I'll take. I'll take that blame. I will say it's it's my fault. I didn't give you the proper cue to sign off. So I want to say uh, you have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM. I have been Marcus Iaco. And I'm still producer Dave, just about. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. I, gu I guarantee you, residents are going to cancel us after this episode. <laughs> this bit is all staying in. <laughs> <laughs>